You're listening to episode 56 of the Journey to Launch podcast, how one couple is using their resourcefulness, travel hacking, house hacking, and everything they can to reach financial independence. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, journeyers, welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. This is episode 56. And today's guests are a couple who are just killing it on the journey to financial independence. Their names are Aman and Christina Browning. And you'll hear a bit how I met them, or I'd say virtually met them through a mutual acquaintance, or I would say friend, a friend that I've met through the FI movement online. And she put me onto this and I'm so happy that she did. She put me onto this lovely couple and they are traveling on the journey to FI. And I wanted to talk to them because I thought that their platform, so they have a YouTube channel, which we'll talk a bit about in the interview, was just so good. It talked about the ways in which they helped to increase their income, be smarter with their finances, and they're sharing that for other people to do the same. Now, they're only three and a half years away from reaching financial independence. And I just thought that was great to talk to someone who was really close to hitting that goal. So Christina and Amon, just a little bit more about them. They have the YouTube channel, Our Rich Journey. They are parents of a nine and 11-year-old and they currently live and work abroad in Japan, but are originally from California. We'll get into their background and how it is that they even got to Japan and what they did to accelerate their journey. So I think you'll really enjoy this interview. But before we get started, if you are loving the podcast, as I usually say, please continue to share this with your family and friends. This is how we get the podcast more out there. So send them a text with the podcast, tweet, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, just share that you're listening to the episode. Tag me if you like so I can see it. Let me know that you're sharing it. I really appreciate it. And I love seeing that. And I love seeing your thoughts on each episode. So I'm Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget, you can also join the Facebook community. That's at journeytolaunch.com slash community. And if you want the episode show notes for this, you can go to Journey to Launch dot com slash episode 56. All right, let's get into this wonderful conversation with Christina and Amon. Hey, journeyers, I'm really excited to talk to today's guests, Amon and Christina Browning. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? We are doing great. We're so excited. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And just the background of how I found out about you guys and why I wanted you on the show. So we have a mutual FI friend, someone on the journey, D-Dan, who is in the Japan Choose FI group who told me about you guys. And she said, you need to talk to this couple. I think you'd be interested because they know I'm always looking for 
people of color and diverse voices to talk to. So she was just like, you should talk to them. And I looked you up. I looked up your YouTube channel, which we'll talk about in a bit. And I was just like, wow, you guys really get it. You get the whole FI space and you explain it in such a relatable and down to earth way. So I was like, they need to come on the show and talk about their journey and what they're doing. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, we've been talking about this subject for a very long time and YouTube just made a lot of sense. Right. And so your YouTube channel is called Our Rich Journey. So right away, you have journey in the title of your name. So that was like a complete win because I love anything with journey in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I want to get into like what you're doing and why I thought you should be on the show. So you guys currently live in Japan, right? Yes, we've lived and worked overseas between Japan and Spain for about 10 years. Yeah. This is our second time living here in Japan. But before coming here, we lived in Oakland, California. Mm -hmm, Because you're both from California. Yes, yes. Right. So let's take it back a bit. Your story of how you guys started on the path to FI. Like, let's just give a quick background of where you guys currently are and your starting point. Yeah, that's an interesting question because it's hard to tell exactly when our starting point was. Because I think we were for a very long time on the journey to FI but we didn't actually know that we were on it. We didn't have this title that, hey, we're on FI, we're going to be able to retire early at this certain point. We always knew, or me specifically, that my path was more of like, oh, I'm going to save, I'm going to save all this money. And Aman was the one who sort of turned us around to thinking, you know, we're not just going to save, we should be investing. And so, I don't know, when do you think that happened? I think it was probably around... 2003 or 2004, mm-hmm. when we first bought our condo. Uh-huh. And really, we weren't talking about investing in the stock market. It was more about investing in real estate. And so when we made that decision to start investing in real estate, we didn't have any money, <laughs> but we knew that we wanted to develop passive income through real estate. We thought that that made the most amount of sense for us. I would say it started then. And then from there, we just dug deeper and deeper into it. Right. It sort of just snowballed. I mean, we just got more and more and more into it. And we just started to think of more ways that we can hack things, how we can save money, how we can invest it. We live here in Japan. We're rent free. So those types of things that we've been learning along the way. So I think it's sort of a journey. We sort of started off small and grew after that in terms of what we were learning And now we're at a point where we are well into our way to financial independence and early retirement. And I think right now our plan is about we're like three and a half years away from early retirement right now. Yeah, which is amazing. And we'll get into that in a bit. But let's go back a little bit to 2003, 2004, because I saw one of your videos where you talked about buying your home. And at that point, you weren't intentional about FI. So we'll get into when you discovered there was a name for what you were (laughs) kind of doing and being intentional about it. But one thing that stood out about your video to me was, so you bought this house in California and you were able to do all the renovations yourself, right? Yes. Yes, yes. But okay, we'll back up because we didn't do the house renovation first. Our first property was actually a three-bedroom condo that we bought in San Diego and we purchased it with a lease option. So we didn't have a lot of money and we were looking at different ways of buying real estate with no money down. And at the time, 
we were able to approach a real estate investor and uh, purchase a lease option, which is the option to buy a property after a certain amount of time. And so when we did that lease option, the market in San Diego started to go up pretty fast. And we actually never purchased that property, but we resold the lease option to another investor. And that was probably the seed that got us started because we said, oh my God, this actually works. I mean, this was stuff that we had like read about in real estate investment books and we just tried it. It was very low risk. And we and, were so young at the oh time God, too. Yeah. We were what? I think we were 22 21, or 22 yeah. at the time and we just decided to go to it. So that's sort of way back when, but if you're talking about our house, the thing that I really love about our house is that we got it in our, in our video. We showed some of the before pictures of the house. And one of the things, if you go house shopping, you can get so overwhelmed at how beautiful a house is because they stage it so perfectly, right? It just looks so beautiful. You could see yourself living in there. And I think one of the things with Aman, because of his background and his education, he has this way of seeing a property that it looks like it's in disarray, but he can see the future of the property and what can be done to it to make it look really beautiful. And I think that was the benefit when we looked at our house, when we purchased our house, we walked in it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is not what we've been looking at. We had been looking at perfectly staged, beautiful homes. And I was like, I want that. And then when we went into this house, it was not staged. It just looked like there were so many things that we would want to fix in the house. But the beautiful thing about the house is it had great structure. And so we bought the house and Aman was able to do almost all of the work all by himself. Yeah. So it was like $100,000 worth of work, right? That I think I read. Exactly. Yeah. Well, can we take a step back? Because I'm so interested that you guys at 22, 23 were so savvy enough to do this, to sell this lease option. So you didn't really have any money at risk. And so you, did you use that money then to buy your first home that you're talking about now? A condo. Yeah. So, well, okay. <laughs> so we sold the lease option and then we used that money for a down payment on another condo. So that was a condo that we bought in the traditional way. It was at the time a really good deal. I think because we were pretty savvy when it came to looking at properties and kind of timing when to buy a property, because there's a lot that goes into finding properties. And one of the things that we found is that we always look for properties in the winter over Christmas and Thanksgiving break. And so every house that we've ever purchased, we've always strategically approached the buy. So after the lease option, that's what we started to do. We started to acquire properties. Now, we didn't buy a whole lot of properties, but the ones that we bought, the return on them was significant. But how did you know to even do that at 22? Were you just interested in real estate? You know what? It was Amon's idea, actually. When we had graduated from college, I wasn't grown up. I didn't grow up to think like, hey, you can own property at the age of 21 when you just get out of college and you have a fairly low paying job. I mean, both of us started off with pretty low paying jobs. We weren't making a lot of money. And so it really wasn't on my radar at the time until Aman had said, we should start looking at real estate. And it was really Aman's idea. And then I thought of it and, and we started talking about how we could do it. And together we sort of brainstormed it, but it was just 
Amon planting that idea that, you know, we don't have to wait until we're 30 plus years old and we have kids in order to get this started. We can actually start doing it now. Yeah. And it was really about, okay, the sooner we get started, the better off we'll be in the future. I think what it was is that we wanted to be at a certain place in life and we did not have the resources or the money. We don't come from money. So to get started, we knew that we had to be really creative. And we were buying property at a time when there was a frenzy. And I would watch the way people reacted to the market. And I would try to figure out a way that was kind of an alternative approach to that, like shopping during a certain time of the season, looking at the weaknesses in the market and then figuring out a way to exploit that. I'll give you an example. A lot of people, when they buy their first home, they will try to buy in the best neighborhood with the best schools. And schools in particular is something that I think people put too much emphasis on when they go to first buy a property because they think that they're gonna raise their family in that property forever. But the reality is you're not gonna have kids in those schools for a very long time. So with that off the table, I knew that my market for looking for property was expanded even further. So I would go to a neighborhood There was a good neighborhood, but the elementary school was terrible, let's say. But the opportunity to buy at a reasonable price was there. And so it was just little things like that. Thinking about what I'm trying to accomplish in a certain amount of time. Yeah. So like for us, when we're 21 and we don't have kids, we're not thinking, oh, let's get in this best school district because kids are further down the line. Like we had kids, you know, 10 years later. So we're not thinking we have to get this house because we're going to live here for the rest of our life. We're going to raise kids here. It's our first starter home. And we've moved several times throughout the year. So it's about thinking about what's the best fit for you at that moment. And you don't have to look at it for 30 years down the line, purchasing that home that you want to be in 30 years from now. Yeah. And I actually relate to that. And I'm asking because I did it myself. I bought my first property at 22 right out of college. So I get it. I get that drive and foresight of wanting to make things happen. But I just, I know a lot of people are not thinking about it at that age. So kudos to you for doing that. Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, this is just quick, like what your profession was, because you said because of Amon's background, it helped shape and helped you find homes. So did you have something to do with architecture or real estate or anything as a profession? I'm actually a urban planner. So I'm a city and regional planner or urban planner. And I think that has worked to my advantage in a way, because all of our purchases, I always went to the city planning office and I looked at the master plan for the area. So every city has a master plan. And in that master plan, they have neighborhood plans or specific plans for how the area is supposed to develop. So our first purchase in San Diego was right next to where they were going to extend the trolley line. And they knew they were going to extend that trolley line for 10 years. And so I think my background as an urban planner has significantly helped, especially with location selection. Wow. And so can anyone go pull up those records or ask for that? So if you're not a city planner, can you go to the city office and do that? Oh, certainly. Certainly. And they're public records. Yeah. Yeah. You can pull them up online. Just go to your city's master planning site, look up the master plan and it's all right there. I think that's such a gem because anyone listening that says, oh, well, Amon was like, he has that background. So easy for him. But it's like, you know what? You can also just (laughs) type in and search 
your city or towns maybe you don't live in and do this. You might not have the same type of background to see everything that I'm on scene, but you can have a start. It's kind of like a secret thing you can use for you to your advantage to get a better deal or to make the best decision. So I like that. Thanks for that tip. So you're investing in real estate. You're being smart about not having to pay for rent, right? Because you use properties to then pay for properties, right? Like, so that was very smart of you guys too. Can you just explain how you did that? How we are living rent-free, you mean? Yeah. So how you lived rent-free back in California. And then I know you guys live rent-free now because of your company, but that is like the major part of anyone's budget. So the fact that you've been able to not pay that for a long time, I'm sure has helped you along the FI path, right? Oh, yeah. So I guess we were house hacking before it was called house hacking. (laughs) Exactly. House hacking probably has a really negative connotation. It just sounds like you're going to go in and like tear something up. But when you're at a certain phase in your life, you're really flexible. So we thought, okay, let's buy this house, but we have all these extra rooms. Let's get roommates. We're never home anyway. All right. So that was one phase in our life. And that was the phase before kids too, right? So with us, we had extra rooms. We're like, let's get roommates and they can pay for basically, essentially they're paying for our mortgage. Mm -hmm. And so we rent out the rooms and then we live rent free in that scenario. And that was pre-kids at this stage. That's not something that we would necessarily do, but it worked out so well for us at the time. Yeah. And then every phase that we moved to. So housing, you have to deal with your entire life. So we just figured out different ways to kind of solve that problem. Christina went back to school and at the university she went to, they provided student housing for graduate families, but they had a resident advisor program there for some of the students so they could get free housing. So we said, oh my God, we got to get into that program. So we applied for that and we became RAs and we got free rent that way. Yeah, yeah. We were 33-year-old RAs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we were living rent-free. <laughs> right, right. Now that's amazing. And all this was before you intentionally started down the path of FI, right? So this is just you being just smart about some of the choices you were making saving, but then not really saying, oh, I'm trying to retire early. Yeah. And I think especially when we started and we were getting roommates, one of the important things too, that we've always thought about is we are not people that want to flash money and say, hey, we're doing so well off, or we're going to drive really expensive cars and show off money and things like that. We're not concerned about keeping up with the Joneses. And I think with that mentality, it allows us to live in a place and say, hey, let's get roommates and save on our rent. We were still young, but the fact that we could potentially not have roommates and pay for our whole mortgage, that's fine. But we were thinking, let's get roommates or let's be 33-year-old RAs. It, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter to us how we look as long as we're doing something to move forward. Right. Now, Christina, would you mind just sharing what you do for a living? Yes. So I am an attorney. When I went back to school, and this is just recently too. So I went back to school and that's when we were working as RAs. I went to UCLA and went to law school there, but that was just recently. So before that, I had a psychology degree. And a lot of the times when we were living abroad, I wasn't actually working. So we were living off of one income. And it wasn't until just recently that I went back to go to law school that we started to develop a dual income household. Did you graduate a lot of debt because of law school too, or did you pay for that? 
No, I was really fortunate, actually. I got a lot of it paid for through UCLA. But then the same thing about how we talk about hustling, getting our housing paid for and, and doing all these other things. I was hustling getting private scholarships. So I got a lot of private scholarships as well that helped me throughout my three years of law school. So I got a lot of it paid through from UCLA. And then I also got a lot of private scholarships that paid my way through law school. So I was really fortunate. Oh, that's awesome. You guys need to do a YouTube video about that because yeah. <laughs> that is something I know a lot of people are just, especially if they want to become a lawyer, like how do they do that without accumulating all that debt? So good job. Exactly. Yeah. At what point did you discover FI? Hmm. Oh, I think it was about three years ago that we started thinking about spending more time with our children. Right now, our girls are nine and 11. And we thought it would be nice to be able to spend time with them in their teenage years. Then we started kind of digging into it, checking out from bloggers. And then from there, we figured out a plan to do it. Right. And it was really a matter of looking at the numbers too and yeah. saying like, let's look at the numbers. Let's see what we have to do. What more do we have to do in order to achieve this ability to retire early? The idea was like, oh, we'll definitely be able to retire early, but we didn't know when, right? And we didn't want it to be after the girls went away to college because we wanted to be able to actually spend a lot more time with our girls when they're still in the home with us. So we thought, is there a way that we can actually accelerate our plan and retire while the girls are still in the home with us? By the time you found FI, you guys were in a really good position in terms of probably your portfolio and what you had saved up and debt. So I'm, I'm sure you started at a good starting point. So when you say accelerate, what else did you start doing to even maximize and optimize your saving and investing habits? We took a look at our budget and we kind of figured out, okay, this is our current savings rate. And then we tried to slowly increase that rate. We would try to take down expenses, big ticket expenses. Like at one point we had car payments. We got away from car payments. We were paying so much in insurance. So that went down. And we're slowly also rising in our profession too. Yes. So we do move around a lot, but part of moving around too is moving for a promotion yes. or to move up in our profession. So we're getting more money in our profession also. Moving over here, overseas to Japan was an increase. It was a promotion for us. And so we were able to make more money. And the thing with us too, is that sometimes I think people, when they make more money, they think, oh, I have more money to spend. And that is absolutely not the mindset that we have. When we make more money, it's okay. Now this additional money, we have more money to invest. We never say, oh, we can spend, you know, we're making X number of dollars more a month so we can spend that. We're actually saying, okay, where are we going to invest this money? And so I think that's been a big step of as we're accumulating more money, more wealth, we are investing it and accumulating even more. Right. So it's so good. It seems like you guys found your enough point where, you know, what makes you happy. And then as you get the raises, as you increase the income, which is what I'm doing, is that I don't then upgrade my lifestyle. It's just I put more into the savings and investing account. Any raise that I get, I just invest it. So but I do believe you have to get to your enough point and your comfortability point to be able to do that. But it's good that you guys are at that stage where you can be intentional about, okay, I know that any extra income, any more income I bring in, is just going to go right towards my FI goal. 
there was also one other huge expense that we were able to save on, and that's travel. If you saw our YouTube video on travel hacking, you know that we are literally saving thousands of dollars a year just on travel because we don't pay for it anymore. We're able to amass enough points to be able to travel as a family for free. And it's amazing. Most families, a big part of their budget and people go into debt all the time traveling. We have never done that. Mm -hmm. And I did see that video. So can you talk a little bit about how you're able to do that? I know travel hacking, but let's talk about it a bit with listeners who are just like, wow, how do I do that? It was like a light bulb moment for us because all this time we had been paying for most things with cash or we had one credit card that we were using for mostly everything. But we pay off our credit card bill every month. So it wasn't anything that we did differently as far as spending. What we did is that we started to strategically spend on credit cards to get the sign-up bonuses. So I would identify a bonus that had a minimum spend of $3,000, let's say in the first uh, 90 days. And I know that within our budget, we're going to spend a certain amount of money a month. And over the course of three months, why not put it on that credit card? And so it really just became just being intentional in our spending on credit cards. And we were able to reproduce that over and over and over again. And if you see in our video, we went through nine or 10 cards over the past 12 months. And we went to Spain, France, Italy, Hawaii, Thailand, and Bali. And this is with your daughters too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the world of travel hacking is amazing. And I just want to preface like by saying that this is something where you should only do if you have control over your money and budget. So if you already have credit card debt, you're not able to pay it off every month, then this is something you would need to wait to do and to have more discipline to do. But if you're at the stage where you can strategically put things on cards and pay them off at the end of the month, this is an amazing way to cut that travel budget down. Absolutely. You guys are killing it with in terms of like not having to pay for travel, killing it with not having to pay for housing. So that is obviously helping where you are your financial picture. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like now? So you said you're only three years away from reaching FI. So I know you're not comfortable with sharing exact numbers, but can you talk a bit about what that is, like what the FI point is for you? In terms of reaching FI, it's a weird scenario because we have like three different scenarios of where we want to be, but we have a, a FI number for probably the highest case scenario. So we've talked about where we want to live when we retire. And our plan is to retire in three and a half years. So we've talked about going back to the Bay Area. We've talked about moving to Hawaii because we've been to Hawaii several times and we love Hawaii. And we've also actually talked about moving to Europe. So these are like three different places that we've considered living in the next three and a half years. And so our FI numbers are based off of moving to those specific places. In terms of being three and a half years from that goal, we talked about real estate, but we haven't really talked as much about our investments through the stock market also. So we have a diverse portfolio and we have part of our investments in real estate that we've talked about. And then we have a lot of investments in stocks as well. And the whole idea with compound interest really works with us with the stock market because we've been investing in the stock market for quite some time. 
And we've ran our numbers in if we continue to invest at the rate that we're investing now in three and a half years, especially with the stock market, we will have reached our goal at the three and a half year mark so that we can live in any of those three areas that we want to live, either in the Bay Area or in Hawaii or even moving to Europe. I'm sure you guys are looking forward to that. So what's the reason behind you guys creating a YouTube channel? Was it really to like chronicle that journey? What was the motivation behind it? A lot of the stuff on our channel right now is about the things that we've been thinking about, things that we've learned like house hacking, side hustles, things like that, or travel hacking. And we haven't even touched upon as much as we can get into yet about our early retirement plan. I mean, all these things that we talk about are things that we do to reach early retirement. But as we get closer to maybe the one year mark is when we'll go even deeper into our process of where we're going and how we plan for it and more of our own personal process of of early retirement. But right now, our channel is a lot of the things that we do in order to save more money so that we can invest more money so we can reach that goal. Mm -hmm. And one of those things, like we've mentioned before, is that you guys live in Japan right now. So you're working for a company that pays you to be there, right? And they give you a stipend. So how can listeners who are saying, maybe that's something I could get into myself, how can they make that transition or do something like what you did? That to me is the best kept secret. It's something that anyone can literally do. It astounds us that more people don't pursue this, but I think it takes a shift in your mindset. So for a lot of people, they tend to think locally instead of thinking, okay, there may be opportunities around the world. Most people are just kind of focused on finding jobs in their particular area. But if you just put yourself out there and start looking, you will be amazed at the number of opportunities that are overseas. Just from us doing a quick search, we found, I think it was five or six companies that that are hiring abroad right now, and they have thousands of jobs. And a lot of those jobs include housing. So imagine if you don't have to pay for housing, how much more faster you can reach your FI number. So these are jobs that are in all area. I stress this all the time to my friends when they're looking for work or they're just struggling to get by in the U.S. I say, have you ever thought about working abroad? Some are open to that and some just don't consider it. My next question to you was going to be, well, maybe people think you have to have a certain type of profession and a certain skill set to be able to do that. And so they think, OK, I'm not going to be qualified. But you're saying there are tons of jobs out there that you can do and you don't have to be necessarily a highly skilled or practiced lawyer or whatever it is to be able to get those jobs, right? Exactly. In one of our videos specifically, we talk about different ways that you can get a job abroad. But I want to talk about one of the ways that we talk about in our video right now. And like I said, we have several different examples. But to talk about right now, there's an example is the federal government. The federal government is the largest overseas employer, the largest United States overseas employer. And they hire so many people to work in all different foreign countries abroad. And the range of jobs that they offer are so diverse. It could be anywhere from an HRO person, a human resources person, to a facilities manager, to a director for different activities with kids. I mean, it's so broad that I think a lot of people don't even think about that. And when we made our video, we looked at 
USA jobs for the government abroad. And there were, I don't know, at the time, I think there were over 5,000 jobs that they were hiring I for. Was, I think it was 500. Oh, fi- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there really are a ton of jobs available for people overseas or abroad. And it's just a matter of looking and changing your mindset to think more globally. The videos we mentioned here, I'm going to link it so people can go watch it and see what you guys are talking about. But yeah, I agree. I think that sometimes we're just not thinking about the bigger picture or very comfortable. They're comfortable in what they know. And so the thought of moving somewhere else and especially another country is scary. But if you can elevate yourself out of that mindset and to think further beyond what you know and what you're comfortable with, the possibilities are really endless. Right. Well, I have a question about working abroad. So when you actually go to the countries, do they pay you in equivalent to what you'd get paid in the U.S. or is it kind of according to the place you're going? So like Japan, like is it HR person have the equivalent salary that they would there have, I don't know, New York or how does that work? So most of the companies that we highlight, they're U.S. based companies. So they'll usually send you overseas for a certain amount of time, let's say three to five years. But the idea is that you're going to make your money and go back to your country. So the money that you make in that overseas location should be worth the same when you take it home. So yes, they pay us the same amount of money that we would make in in the US, but we have this added benefit of free housing. And it's not like they lower your salary because you're getting free housing. You're getting your normal salary and housing in addition to that. Mm-hmm. Mm, right. I hope that some people get encouraged to really look into that. Because it does seem like a really good way to go, especially if you feel like you can't find jobs here or you're priced out of the market or just having a hard time. So that's good. Exactly. Now, another thing you talk a lot about is side hustles, which I also loved because, again, it attacks like that income problem. So if you're a high earner, great. You can probably find ways to now cut back on things you don't need and then save more money. But if you are maybe mid to low income, And I mean, anyone could do this, even if you have a high income, but you talk about side hustles. And I love the fact that you gave specific examples of random side hustles that anyone can do that doesn't cost a lot to invest up front. Can you just touch upon that? We always recommend doing a side hustle that you enjoy. So, and something that highlights your skills. We talked a lot about Fiverr, Fiverr Fiverr.com. It's a site where you can do different jobs like doing websites or doing graphic design or doing voiceovers. It's kind of like an online marketplace for skills. So Fiverr is a really good example where you can put your skill on there and people will pay you to do it. Side hustles for us, we've done a lot of side hustles, but they've always been related to something that we're interested in. Mm-hmm. Even in the video, you had one that was, you can call elderly people and remind them to take their prescription. Like there's actually yes. a company that allows you to do that. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know that. <laughs> Right. We talk about you can be a delivery driver for Amazon, too. That will require you have a car. We talk about you can uh, do things with dogs on Rover.com, you know, but you, you have to tailor it to your schedule and the resources that you have. And, and Playa was a great example, too, of calling elderly people. Right. So if you don't have time or, or if you have kids, for example, and you're less likely to be able to go out and drive and deliver things for Amazon, for example, you can find different ways or side hustles that you can do from home. And Playa is a great example of calling elderly people, reminding them to take your prescriptions. So in addition to doing things that you really like, it's like 
managing a side hustle that works with your schedule and your circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are great, great tips. And I'm thinking now about your story and how much you guys have accomplished and how you started at 22. And when I look back at my story, I can kind of pinpoint why I was so driven to want to succeed and become wealthy from, you know, watching my mom as a single mom work hard. I just wanted to do better and be better. So can you pinpoint what it is exactly about you guys that made you so driven and scrappy and resourceful at such a young age and to continue it throughout? I have always just been a really resourceful kid. So I was raised in West Africa. I was born in the U.S., but I was raised in West Africa. And coming back from Africa to the United States, I just witnessed a lot of people just taking things for granted. And coming here, I never took anything for granted. So when I lived in Africa, I witnessed people work extremely, extremely hard. And then you come to the U.S. and you don't necessarily see people working as hard. For me, it's always just been a normal thing for me to just kind of push myself. Your story sounds similar to mine too, Jamila, is that I was raised in a single family household also. And my mom was raising me and my two brothers. And so I really understood the importance of money at a young age and how it can set you up to be able to do the things that you want to do. I just realized how money impacted my family coming from a single family household and wanting to be able to be successful with money so that, like we said, we talk about our girls so that we can spend more time with our girls and so that money isn't a hindrance in our life. It's something that can help us achieve the things that we want to do. That sounds amazing. And now you guys are raising two girls of your own. So how are you now instilling this financial savvy resourcefulness in them? I love that you asked that question. (laughs) What I talked about growing up in a single family household, I didn't really talk a lot about money, although I, I understood the value of money when I was a kid. And so right now we are constantly talking to our kids about money, how to save money. They have custodial accounts that we're investing money for them. And we actually started a summer project for them. It's summertime for them now. And on our channel, they're doing money minute topics where they basically research a topic. Well, we help them research it as well, but they look into a topic and they create a one minute video about it. And it has to be a money topic. So they've done things like what is a CD? What's a mutual fund? What is investing? Things like that. So that they at this young age, like I said, they're nine and 11. They are already understanding the concept of investing in the stock market. They look at their accounts each month and they get to see how it's growing. But we are getting them involved at this stage already. And this is something that we never got as kids at our age. And you really don't even get it throughout high school or college. It's, it's very difficult to get. So we understand the importance of teaching our kids at a young age about money and how to invest money. Mm, that's so great. I'm sure with parents like you guys, they'll be okay. So that's amazing. So where can everyone find you? Because now I'm sure everyone's gonna be like, all right, we need to watch all these videos that <laughs> they keep referencing. So where can they find more about you? If you go to YouTube, you can search Our Rich Journey. And we post two videos each week. We just started recently. So we post two videos each week and we talk about ways to save money, make money and invest money. And so if you look for us up on YouTube, Our Rich Journey, you can find us there. Great. And I'll link your YouTube channel on all that in the episode show notes. Oh, perfect. 
people find us there. We just have to do uh, <laughs> the plug for please subscribe. If you find us on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. We're trying to really make it grow and really get the word out about early retirement and how to invest and save money. All right, guys, you guys were great. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing your journey. And I can't wait to see where you guys are going to be in the next three and a half years. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jamila. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Christina and Amon. And like I said, you guys should really check out their YouTube channel, Our Rich Journey. I'll link it in the show notes also. So go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 56. And I really enjoyed hearing their story. Now, they've done very well for themselves. There's no denying that, right? You can tell that they're high income earners. They have great professions, but they worked hard. They've been scrappy. They've been resourceful every step of the way. As you can see that in their early 20s, they were already thinking about wealth and how to build assets. And I just find that fascinating because despite even as they journeyed along and they made more money, they were still very smart about what they spent money on and how they just moved in the world in relation to their finances. While their story itself may seem like, wow, they they have it made, they have it all. I mean, you can tell they worked hard to get to where they are and they were very smart with their finances. So I wanna just challenge you to think of the things that they did to get themselves further along. What can you implement in your life? So they talked about side hustles, they talked about living for free, they talked about real estate. What are the things that you can do in your life, whether that's just researching, researching a little bit more on these topics, Googling, finding more about jobs overseas, or just learning more about real estate and what they did and that tidbit they gave about looking at the overall plans for a city and getting ahead of the market and finding out maybe where's the best place that they can purchase. Can you do that? Can you look into another city that you're interested in? Again, the possibilities are endless. So thanks again, Christina and Amon, for coming on the show and sharing all that information. Let me know what you thought of the episode by tweeting me, Facebooking me, Facebooking a word, <laughs> or Instagramming me, whatever. Send me a message, post it on your feed. Let me know what you thought. Also, don't forget to share this out with your family and friends and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. So if you listen to this in Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, please rate, review and subscribe. Leave that review. I read each and every one of them. And so just thank you. Thank you again for listening. And I'll speak to you next week, journeyers. Journeyers.